Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. My name is Brianna Morella, and when I first heard about this project, I was hanging out with my mom in Seattle, and I started talking to her about how I would approach the idea of writing a song about a constitutional amendment. We started talking about some different amendments and then started focusing on the Fourth Amendment. I started doing some research and I ended up finding a legal term associated with the Fourth Amendment called Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. I named my song after it. It means that evidence found by being searched illegally is deemed tainted evidence and cannot be used against someone in court. I had a realization that the Fourth Amendment is basically about having consent in the way you are treated by the government. And so my song references that by way of romantic consent as a parallel. first lyrics I wrote for the song were when you take what you took from me That was Brianna Morella with her song Fruit of the Poisonous Tree, inspired by the Fourth Amendment. Gotta say, that's one of my favorites. I'm Jad Abumrad. This is More Perfect, Season 3. This season, we decided uh, not just to make some podcasts, we decided to put together an album of songs inspired by the amendments to the U.S. Constitution. There are 27 amendments. These amendments outline our rights as Americans. They show a country that is constantly evolving and changing we reached out to a bunch of musicians and asked them to create a song inspired by one of these amendments 35 different musicians responded because some amendments actually ended up with multiple songs and we have created 27 the most perfect album you can hear the entire thing at themostperfectalbum.org themostperfectalbum.org the entire thing is on that website along with all kinds of good information and some beautiful design. Albums also on iTunes, Spotify, all the places. Here on the podcast, the More Perfect team are telling stories about the amendments. 
sort of audio liner notes to accompany the songs. And uh, for this liner note, uh, producer Sara Kari did some bundling. She took the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th, stuck them together. When you read the 4th through 8th Amendments of the Constitution, what you're really looking at, according to Professor Bert Newborn, who we heard in Episode 1, is a story. You have an absolutely perfect chronological history or chronological picture of the law enforcement process. It's a story about how the Constitution is supposed to protect people when they come face-to-face with the police. The Fourth Amendment deals with investigation. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. The Fifth Amendment Amendment deals with um, interrogation. Shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. The Sixth Amendment all criminal prosecutions and Seventh Amendment in suits at common law both deal with adjudication. The accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial, an impartial jury, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. And the Eighth Amendment deals with punishment. Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. It's a seamless story of the law enforcement process and the creation of protections at each stage in the process. So you can't investigate without a probable cause and a warrant. You can't interrogate by making somebody uh, incriminate themselves. You can't adjudicate without giving somebody due process and a lawyer. And um, you can't punish in a way that's cruel and unusual. No other Bill of Rights anywhere has this kind of organized and thoughtfully developed uh, set of protections. But we know that so often these amendments don't work the way that they're supposed to. Could you just tell me your name and how old you are? Christopher Scott. I'm 47 years of age. Uh how many years ago now was it uh, that you got arrested? Like 23 years ago, something like that. It was April the 17th, uh, 1997. Back in 1997, Christopher is 26 years old. He lives in Dallas. He has a girlfriend and two kids. Um, and he works in the produce department at the local grocery store. Just living the everyday life of every person want to live. Having employment, being independent, and being able to support your family. One night, he's at his friend Claude's house. Okay. Well, Claude Simmons called me. Claude was struggling with a drug addiction, and he didn't want to be alone. So he called up Christopher. Christopher came over, and he ends up taking Claude out on a drive around the block. Me and Claude make about three or four blocks Mm -hmm. around the corner just talking. And while they're doing that... I see cops everywhere. They, like, circling the blocks and speeding off and just, you know, just... It's like they looking for people. He says that because he and Claude are both black, driving around late at night, seeing all of these police officers around, it made him nervous. I told Claude, I said, look, I'm going to park my car in your driveway, go in the house, sit down for a minute... When they leave, I'm going to go home. So they go back to Claude's house, get inside. I sit on the couch. I'm watching TV. Next thing you know, 
the phone ring. It's Dallas Police Department. The cops say to him, we're outside your house. They want the two guys that they saw getting out of the car to come outside. I was like, man, what? Why they want us? They hesitated at first. But Christopher says that they eventually got up to open the door. But before, before we even had a chance to go out. The police officers. Cops run in. I look up, I got about seven to eight, nine millimeters guns pointed at me. Fourth Amendment. Search and seizure. The fourth is designed to protect your privacy. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects. When you first come into contact with a cop. Against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. We, we laid on the ground for approximately probably about 20, 25 minutes just laying there. No warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause. Did they show you a warrant? No. Supported by oath and affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things. To be seized. They went and checked the house. Searched his car? I mean, they tore my car apart, and they couldn't find anything. I'm like, what are they doing? At this point, he said he had no idea what was going on. And then they escorted me to a police car and um, immediately put me in handcuffs once I got in the police car. They say, we take you downtown to the Capers building. Crimes against person. At the police station... Christopher is taken in for questioning. They take me to the interrogation room. And I'm still not being told what I'm being charged with, what I'm being questioned about, or nothing. Fifth Amendment. Grand jury, double jeopardy, self-incrimination, due process, takings. The fifth is designed to protect you when the cop has you in custody and is asking you questions. The fifth is the one that gives you... You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to remain silent. Now what else? Anything you say to us can be used against you in a court of law. And did they, like, they, did they like read you your rights and whatever? Like, you have the right to remain silent and all that? Nope. I didn't get my Miranda rights read to me until I left interrogation. At some point that evening, when they're at the station... The cop tells me, he said, a lady is going to come identify you. Christopher is taken to this room um, and handcuffed to a bench next to this big window. Real big glass window. And they walk the lady straight up to the window and pointed at me. And me and the lady could see each other. And a police officer said, this is the guy that killed your husband. Now, I couldn't hear it, but I read her lips. She said, yeah, that's him. And I'm like, now, I know. She didn't just say what I thought she said. And I go back in there. I'm like, look, sir, whatever y'all saying I did, I didn't do. And they say, well, you know what, Mr. Scott? We tired of BSing with you. You're going to be charged with capital murder. I said, capital murder? I say, sir, I ain't killed nobody. So I go in the restroom. I can't cry because I'm so scared. Tears won't even come out my eyes. I literally pinched myself as probably hard as I ever could, and it hurt it. So right then, I said, it's real. Sixth Amendment. The Sixth. Seventh Amendment. And, and the Seventh are designed to protect you when they've decided to charge you. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. Sixth Amendment is for criminal cases. Seventh is for civil. 
But they both say that you get the right to a jury and a lawyer. And I said, I don't even know what capital murder meant. What does that mean? Well, your lawyer tell you. I said, my lawyer? Christopher is appointed a lawyer. And that same day in his cell, he meets with the guy. I can tell by his body language that he felt like I was actually guilty. He said, but periodically I'm going to come and talk to you about the, you know, the process and this, that, and other. None of that never happened. None of that never happened. Christopher says he talked to the guy for maybe five minutes. I didn't see him anymore until my trial began. And so from starting from that first conversation that you have with him to the all the way to the trial, how long were you in jail? Maybe a couple of months. Whoa. First day of the trial during jury selection. I'm sitting in there. I'm I'm dressed in my suit. You know, I'm trying to look respectable and, and trying to keep a, you know, a good face for my girlfriend because she's there trying to show that I'm still strong, even though I'm weak at this time. Now, the Sixth Amendment guarantees you a trial by a jury of your peers. And what that means legally is always up for debate. But the spirit of it, the spirit of that word peers basically means that the jury should represent the gr- the people that live around you. But at some point, Christopher looks over to the jury box and he realizes that every black member of the jury pool has been dismissed. I had an all-white jury panel. And I saw that. I said, now, how did this happen? And I looked at my attorney. I said, how did this happen? In the most technical sense, the Sixth Amendment is present, but somehow it still doesn't protect him. That trial um, lasted about four hours, probably about four hours, Captain murder case, four hours. My deliberation lasted for about 30 minutes. That's it? That's it. So they come back and the judge asked the jury panel how you came up with your decision. And the jury foreman said, yes, Your Honor, and the decision is guilty. Christopher Scott, you're guilty of capital murder. Just like that. Now, years later, Christopher Scott would be cleared of all of these charges. Unequivocally. So in that moment, these amendments, the fourth, fifth, sixth, they let him down. But there is this one moment at the trial where you could argue that that one amendment ever so faintly rings out. Eighth Amendment. The Eighth says once they've convicted you and they want to punish you, um, how can they do it? Can they be cruel and unusual? And the Eighth Amendment bars cruel and unusual punishments. The only thing that I appreciated the most that my judge did for me she asked me, why should not seek the death penalty? And my only words was, how could you kill an innocent man? In this moment, it almost feels like the spirit of the Eighth Amendment is what changes Christopher's fate. She said, Mr. Scott, you just saved your own life today. We're not going to kill you, but we're going to give you a capital life sentence. And I almost thanked him. Because although he was about to go to prison for a crime that he didn't commit, he says that this sentence 
It feels like mercy. Because I'm like, well, you're not going to kill me. That means I can fight for my freedom again. Christopher Scott spent 12 years in prison before being exonerated in 2009 after someone else confessed to the crime. He's since founded an organization called House of Renewed Hope, which tries to help exonerate others who've been wrongfully convicted. In the story of the events of that night, there are some places where Christopher Scott's account and the Dallas Police Department's differ. What we've presented here is largely based on Christopher's experience as he tells it, When we reached out to the Dallas PD for comment, they did not offer a response. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, this is More Perfect. I'm Jad Abumrad. We've put together an album of songs for this season based on the 27 Amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Sara Kari just brought you some liner notes from Amendments 4 through 8. And we started off the episode with the Fourth Amendment song from Brianna Morella. But that leaves songs 5 through 8. We haven't talked about those yet. We haven't heard them. So I want to play you excerpts now. Real- Ooh, I heard that one. Starting with this woman. I'm Mackenzie, and I play music under the name Torres. Cool. And um, what amendment did you choose to write about? I wrote about the Fifth Amendment. Fifth Amendment. Grand jury, double jeopardy, self-incrimination, due process, taking. So the Fifth Amendment, as I understand it, it's the one that protects a person from... from No person shall be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb. Double jeopardy and from self-incrimination. But the last part, nor nor shall shall private private property property be taken taken for public public use without without just compensation, compensation, uh, is, is the one that I chose to focus on for this song. Takings. That last part of the Fifth Amendment is often referred to by just that word, takings. It's what you always hear being debated when the government decides to seize private property for public good, like a park, or more controversially, for a high-rise. Mackenzie chose to write about this part of the Fifth Amendment, connecting it to the story of Dred Scott.
That was Torres with a song about the Fifth Amendment, onto the Sixth, which comes from a band uh, headed by a guy that you may recognize from the movies. This is Ezra Miller from Sons of an Illustrious Father. We chose the Sixth Amendment. Sixth Amendment, right to speedy trial by jury, witnesses, counsel. Because I think reading through them, we recognized both its importance and how rarely in our times it was observed or adhered to. various examples in the song uh, from current events to illustrate and demonstrate that this, like many of the other amendments, has lost its meaning and application in this country. Supposed to have the right to a public trial An impartial jury Supposed to be speedy Supposed to be fair That's an excerpt from uh, the Sixth Amendment song from Ezra Miller and Sons of an Illustrious Father, Brooklyn-based trio. On to the seventh. Hello. This is Theo Hilton from Nana Grizzall. I was excited to write a song about the Seventh Amendment. Seventh Amendment. Jury trial in civil lawsuits. Because even though it's a part of the Bill of Rights, very few people know what it does. I conceived of this song using an analytical frame known as racial capitalism. The early on quite That was the Seventh Amendment song from Nano Grizzle, a band based in Athens, Georgia, that included a couple members of a great experimental rock band uh, from, from my era, Neutral Milk Hotel. Remember them? For the Eighth Amendment, we got a song from a local NYC surf rock band named High Wasted, who were once uh, apparently named the best party band by GQ magazine. Uh, here is front woman Jessica Louise Dye uh, setting it up. I chose to write a song about the Eighth Amendment because I thought it just so obviously already sounded like song lyrics. Um, excessive bail should not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. High-Waisted's take on the 8th, 
springs out of the two most debated words in that amendment, cruel and unusual. Those words contain a lot of stuff. Uh, the idea of mercy is tucked in there. The idea of what is just as a punishment tucked in there. We the people are supposed to be protected from punishments that are cruel and unusual. But those words, those are hard words. What is cruel? What is unusual? Like what if a punishment is cruel but not unusual? Are we protected from that? Don't be cruel. These are the kind of questions people ask about the death penalty, which is what Jessica says the band was thinking about when they wrote this song. Over 17,000 people have been executed while on death row, um, and 32 states still have the death penalty, which is why I am just, my mind is boggled with the idea that these inmates, their last bit of freedom is the freedom to choose how they're going to die. And I can't imagine being the captain of your own soul and being forced to decide how you're going to travel into the next world. I wanted the song to have an eerie, haunting, creepy, stick with you vibe, like a siren song, luring you in with this beautiful melody, um, and then building to this freak out, the realization that this this amendment is so important. It, in, it involves so many people that have to carry the weight and burden of death. and. I think that's why I was most drawn to the Eighth Amendment and why this song um, kind of is a little bit different of a, of a sound for me and for, for my band High Wasted. We usually tend to write things that are more pop and this song just lured me into writing this sort of psych jam. Kai Wasted with a song about the Eighth Amendment. Now, we only played excerpts of the songs here in the podcast, but you can hear the whole things, all the songs, in their entirety at themostperfectalbum.org, themostperfectalbum.org. If you go there, there is a whole site, which we worked really hard on, which tells you not only all about these bands, but all about the amendments, what the words mean, how they've been used throughout history. We're hoping it's going to be really, really useful to people. So check out themostperfectalbum.org. Help us spread the word. You can find the album itself, 27, The Most Perfect Album, on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you can download music. More Perfect is created by me, Chad Abumrad, Susie Lechtenberg, Julie Longoria, Kelly Prime, Sarah Kari, and Alex Overington, with help from Michelle Harris, David Gable, and Nora Keller. And thanks to Jeffrey Wright, the amazing Jeffrey Wright, for reading the amendments for us. 
Thank you guys for listening. I'm Chad Abumrad signing off. On our next episode, we'll be exploring the 9th, 10th, and 11th Amendments. Since WNYC's first broadcast in 1924, we've been dedicated to creating the kind of content we know the world needs. In addition to this award-winning reporting, your sponsorship also supports inspiring storytelling and extraordinary music that is free and accessible to all. To get in touch and find out more, visit sponsorship.wnyc.org.